Quiet, numbskull. I'm broadcasting. Does White House support that kind of classroom instruction before kindergarten? Do you have examples of schools in Florida that are teaching kindergartners about sex education? Why do you feel the need to introduce this here in Ohio? This is personal, y'all. Grammy goes to Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappell. Orban wins, but his queer questionnaire crumbles. U.S. state Republicans target LGBTQ rights. And Grammy's Big Night is a queer delight. Those stories and more this week now that you've chosen This Way Out. I'm David Hunt. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending April 9th, 2022. Although Hungary's authoritarian Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, has won re-election, the queer-baiting referendum he tied to the April 3rd elections failed to gain traction. It was Orban's most serious re-election challenge. Six opposition parties united to remove him and his Fidesz party from power. Opposition candidate Pitar Markizy had promised to repair Hungary's growing rift with the European Union caused by its suppression of LGBTQ rights and other constitutional issues. Orban argued that Marquis would lead the country into war by cozying up to the EU. The National Elections Office reported that Fidesz won a two-thirds majority in Parliament. It seems that Orban did not need to add the four-question referendum on homophobia to win his fifth term in office. Cementing public support for his battles over legal supremacy with the European Union may be more to the point. What Orban calls Hungary's sovereign right to make its own laws, the EU calls blatant discrimination against LGBTQ people. The outrageously biased referendum questions began with the familiar, do you support the teaching of sexual orientation to underage children in public education institutions without parental consent? It asked pointedly about the promotion of sex reassignment therapy for underage children. Two more questions were loaded with threatening implications about how minors could be harmed by unrestricted exposure to sexually explicit and sex change content in the media. The vast majority of those who voted said no to all four leading questions. However, the referendum is invalid because it failed to receive a combined total of at least 50% of all votes. Thanks to a well-organized pro-LGBTQ campaign, about 20% of the ballots were intentionally spoiled. The re-elected Orban is an increasingly staunch ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin and his unprovoked war on Ukraine. Trans people in the United Kingdom suffered two offensive setbacks this week. Their access to gender-segregated facilities and their protection from conversion therapy are at risk. 
the UK's Equality and Human Rights Commission has decided that trans people can legally be prohibited from using gender-segregated facilities or from availing themselves of gender-segregated social services. According to The Guardian, the guidance advises organizations such as hospitals, retailers, hospitality and sports clubs to put in place policies that are both legal and balance the needs of different groups. It says that service providers wishing to limit services to a single sex are legally able to do so, provided the reasons are justified and proportionate. What does justified and proportionate mean? It's not at all clear. The new guidance undermines provisions of the Equality Act 2010, according to Stonewall, one of the UK's leading LGBTQ advocacy groups. Their spokesperson said, it appears to go against the core presumption of the act, which is that inclusion should be the starting point and shifts the focus towards reasons trans people and specifically trans women can be excluded. Meanwhile, Tory Prime Minister Boris Johnson has finally announced his party's much-delayed proposal to ban conversion therapy. It would protect LGB people from the bogus and barbaric practice that claims to make queer people straight, but not transgender people. Johnson calls trans issues too complex. His Tory predecessor, Theresa May, first promised an unrestricted ban on conversion therapy in 2018. The exclusion of trans people from the protections is being condemned by the British Medical Association, the UK Council for Psychotherapy, the British Psychological Association, Royal College of Psychiatrists, and a number of other mental health groups. Johnson's refusal to be fully inclusive led to the collapse of a UK-hosted LGBTQ rights conference scheduled for the end of June. Safe to be Me, a global equalities conference, was to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the first official London Pride. When word of the trans exclusion spread, group after group around the world announced their withdrawals, forcing the cancellation. At last count, more than 120 organizations in the UK alone said they would not be sending representatives. Ever since the Middle Eastern nation of Qatar was announced as host of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, human rights activists have been worried. They've warned that queer players and visitors could be harassed or even violently assaulted for being out there. The country's World Cup organizers seem to confirm their fears while trying to calm them this week. Major General Abdulaziz Abdullah Al-Ansari told the Associated Press that queer couples would be welcome to the event starting in late November. However, he cautioned against waving rainbow flags or other queer-identified displays. Such paraphernalia would be confiscated to protect LGBTQ people because, in his words, if it's not me, somebody else around might attack them. Al-Ansari added, here we cannot change the laws. You cannot change the religion for 28 days of World Cup. Piara Pawar is executive director of the FAIR Network, which monitors global football games for discrimination. He said, I have been to Qatar on numerous occasions and do not expect the local Qatari population or fans visiting for the World Cup to be attacked for wearing the rainbow flag. The bigger danger comes from state actions. General Al-Ansari's statement contradicts what FIFA's Chief Social Responsibility and Education Officer, Joyce Cook, told the AP in 2020. She said, Rainbow flags, t-shirts, will all be welcome in the stadium. That's a given. They understand very well that is our stance. 
Tennessee lawmakers almost made child brides legal this week in their zeal to delegitimize marriage equality. That's been the goal in a number of Republican-majority state legislatures ever since the Supreme Court's 2015 Obergefell decision opened civil marriage to queer couples. State Representative Tom Leatherwood sponsored the bill to create a separate category for heterosexual-only marriage. He based his argument to the House on the Christian rights claim of victimhood. If there's any hostility, um, it's against those people that do believe marriage comes from God, not from government, and do believe it's between one man and woman. Unfortunately, it was not men and women that became the issue, since Leatherwood neglected to specify any minimum age. Minority Democrats pointed out that such a law could open the door for the marriages of or between minors. An amendment was hastily added to make it conform to the 17 years or older provisions of other state marriage laws. Leatherwood's proposal would also protect county clerks and other local officials from being sued for refusing to issue marriage licenses to same-gender couples, according to The Hill. Debate on the bill continues in the coming week in both Republican-dominated chambers of the Tennessee legislature. University of Memphis Law professor Regina Lambert-Hillman told the Tennessean that the bill is indeed a continuation of the backlash over the Obergefell decision. Finally, it has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. But we've made it. No one does this on their own. The path was cleared for me so that I might rise to this occasion. And in the poetic words of Dr. Maya Angelou, I do so now while bringing the gifts my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. The United States Supreme Court has its first black woman justice. Three rebellious Republicans voted with all the Senate Democrats to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson by a vote of 53 to 47 on April 7th. The former clerk to Justice Stephen Breyer will step into his shoes when he retires at the end of the current session. Jackson currently sits on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. She'll be the first Supreme Court Justice to have spent some of her professional life as a public defender. For the rest of her life, she's expected to be one of the more progressive voices on the high court. A court that, as of now, still tilts to the right with a 6-3 conservative majority. Queers cheered Jackson's historic appointment. In the words of GLAD's Sarah Kate Ellis, her confirmation is a critical step to ensure our hard-won progress is not reversed by those using the courts to fight outdated culture wars. PFLAG Executive Director Brian K. Bond proclaimed, Our families know all too well that when our courts reflect the makeup of the nation, the chances for all of us to benefit from equal protections improve. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending April 9th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. 
Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm David Hunt. Stay healthy. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. Stay safe. For those of you who do not know this song, it was written really in response to me coming out. I like to downplay a lot of... But this is a... <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> big queer deals at the Grammys and less entertaining U.S. news. After this celebration of a gay man who was a big deal in the public health profession. Opening the closet door in Philadelphia. Coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. The new Philadelphia Gay News came out with their first issue on January 3rd, 1976. The lavender-colored front page headline read, Philadelphia health official comes out. That health official was Dr. Walter J. Lear, who in 1964 moved from New York City to become deputy health commissioner for Philadelphia's Mayor James Tate. Later, Lear acknowledged he never would have gotten the job if he had been publicly gay. 12 years later, he made his first public move, Lear presented a gay rights resolution at the American Public Health Association convention. Passing the resolution, they elected him coordinator of the group's gay caucus. His coming out age at 52 would later open many doors to better medical treatment for the LGBT community. This Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Soda Nabule, in Philadelphia. Red-hot embers from Florida's Don't Say Gay Firestorm are spreading across the United States. Thick as a brick. One of them landed in the White House briefing room on April 4th and was hurled at Press Secretary Jen Psaki by her Fox News nemesis, Peter Ducey. What about this new law in Florida? At what age does the White House think that students should be taught about sexual orientation and gender identity? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, Peter, um, we have spoken to uh, the Don't Say Gay bill in the past, I believe is what you're referring to, and made clear that uh, as we look at this, uh, this, uh, this law, uh, what we think it's a reflection of is politicians in Florida propagating misinformed, hateful policies that do absolutely nothing to address uh, the real issues. Uh, the Department of Education is well positioned and ready to evaluate um, what to do next and uh, when and its implementation, whether its this implementation violates federal civil rights law. Uh, but I would note that parents across the country uh, are looking to, um, you know, uh, national, state, and district leaders to uh, support our nation's students, to ensure that uh, kids are treated equally in schools, and that is certainly not, this is not a reflection of that. So if you guys oppose this law that bans classroom instruction about uh, sexual orientation and gender identity in K through three. Does White House support that kind of classroom instruction before kindergarten? Do you have examples of schools in uh, Florida that are teaching kindergartners about sex education? I'm just asking for the president. Well, I think that's a re I think that's a relevant question because I think this is a politically charged, uh, harsh law that is putting parents and LGBTQ plus kids in a very difficult, uh, a heartbreaking uh, circumstance. And so I actually think that's a pretty relevant question. 
don't say the truth seems to be the chief defense for Florida's don't say gay law. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis has been using a story about a distraught mother. DeSantis claims her child was put into a gender transitioning program at school without her consent. However, CNN has obtained emails proving that the mother asked the school for help with her non-binary child before she decided to complain. Florida's queer families in search of relief from the lies may find a warmer welcome away from the sunshine state. Digital rainbow billboards and a major social media blitz are inviting them to move to New York City. Mayor Eric Adams denounced Don't Say Gay and announced his corporately funded ad campaign. This is the city of Stonewall. And we will continue to stand fast and be supportive of this community that has contributed uh, to the diversity of our city. And we believe that this is the city that will always allow that diversity to take place. Florida is now off limits to employees of Los Angeles County. The Board of Supervisors has also banned unnecessary travel to Texas because of its anti-LGBTQ policies. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Homo and transphobia is cross-pollinating, with Lone Star lawmakers planning to add a don't-say-gay bill to their list of wrongs soon. And a Texas-style ban on gender-affirming care for children is on consideration in Florida. Meanwhile, another don't-say-gay bill has been introduced in the Ohio State House. One that sponsor Republican Representative Gene Schmidt won't say much about. Why do you feel the need to introduce this here in Ohio? See, I, I've got to go to the Senate. Please don't, don't harass me. No, I can't. Please. Why do you want to talk about this disgraceful. Okay. Stop that. Against the tide of Don't Say Gay and anti-trans bills this week was Alabama Representative Neil Rafferty. He's the only out member of the state legislature, and while his impassioned speech had no impact in the House chamber, it had a viral impact that's been heard around the world. I don't know where this became a, a, a platform issue for y'all. I don't know where this became a, a, a central core issue to pick on these kids, to pick on these families. I don't know where it is or why y'all think that this is something that we need to vote on. Not just vote on, but put off the top of the, the calendar like it's a priority. It's a priority for us to be getting involved in private family medical decisions that are made with a team of healthcare providers that are made with the parents centering around the child. 
who are surrounded by a team of healthcare providers, mental health professionals who are guiding them through this process. You want to think you're just going to a dock in a box and willy-nilly just getting prescribed this stuff because somebody just said, hey, this is it. That's not how being gay, that's not how being transgender works. Trust me, if I didn't have to be gay, I wouldn't be. You know how much easier my freaking life would be? This is personal, y'all. Y'all gonna do what you're gonna do. I understand that y'all are gonna do what you're gonna do, but I am trying to appeal to you that this is not small government, that this this is invasive. It's hard enough growing up. It's hard enough growing up being different. It's even harder growing up being different and then have the state legislature, your elected officials, the leaders of this state, tell, put a target on children's backs. Put a, children, put a target on the parents' backs. And once again, get in the middle of their decisions and say, you don't know what's, you don't know what's best. You'll know what's good for your kid. You'll know what's best for your family. Where's freedom in that? Where's small government in that? Please. I'm begging y'all. All right, I'm not begging. You're right, I'm not begging. You're right, I'm not begging. What's gonna happen is gonna happen. Just don't you dare call me a friend after this. That was Alabama State Representative Neil Rafferty. And beware, those would-be Republican friends in several U.S. state legislatures are coming after marriage equality next. Hey everybody, this is Leah Delaria, and you are listening to This Way Out. Welcome everybody to the 64th Annual Grammy Awards. We made it, people! We made it! Comedian Trevor Noah hosted the 2022 Grammy Awards, but Steve Sims hosts our award recap in his latest Queer Music Focus. Sunday, April 3rd, the Grammy Awards took place in Las Vegas. Originally scheduled for January 31st in Los Angeles, they were delayed a couple months by COVID. When the Grammy nominations were announced November 23rd, over a dozen LGBTQ artists were nominated in over two dozen categories. Brandi Carlisle had been nominated in five, bringing her total nominations to 18. Here's a look at the LGBTQ winners and highlights of the 64th Grammys. Doja Cat won her first Grammy in the Best Pop Duo Group Performance with Kiss Me More, which featured SZA. Kiss Me More, Doja Cat, featuring Hi, uh, I like to downplay a lot of... But this is a... <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Be safe. Take 
John and T.J. Osborne, better known as the Brothers Osborne, won in the Best Country Duo Group Performance category with their song Younger Me. T.J., with the support of his brother, had come out as gay last year. This is their song Younger Me. Younger me Way too young to pace a bedroom floor For those of you who do not know this song, it was written really in response to me coming out. Always dreamed of kicking down the door What were you waiting for? And I never thought that I would be able to do music professionally because of my sexuality, but I'm here with a man that I love and who loves me back. Tyler, the creator, who is the son of a Nigerian father and an American mother of mixed African-American and European-Canadian descent, won Best Rap Album Award with Call Me If You Get Lost. This is his song, What's Your Name? What's your name, girlfriend? 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 What's your name? And the Grammy goes to... Tyler, the creator, call me to get lost. What is your name? What do you bring? Yeah. I think that I got what you need and I'm willing to do anything that you please. I'm trying to get down to the root of the apple, the deepest I could in them jeans. My clan like Sonic can't speak, no. No, you can't hit my lean, no. St. Vincent, whose aunt and uncle are jazz duo Tuck and Patty, won the Best Alternative Music Album Award with her album, Daddy's Home. This is her song, Pay Your Way in Pain. Grammy goes to St. Vincent, Daddy's Home. You got to pay your way hey, you got to. Brandy Carlisle, despite her nominations, did not take home a Grammy Award this year. However, she did perform her song right on time and had the honor of being announced by Joni Mitchell and Bonnie Raitt. And now we are honored to introduce this next extraordinary artist who three years ago made her Grammy debut with one of the most impactful performances ever. Please welcome an extraordinary artist and beautiful human being, a stunning, brave, and truthful voice. My brilliant friend and ambassador, Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> Carlisle has said, I feel great responsibility in representing marginalized queer people in rural America, raised on country and roots music, but are repeatedly and systematically rejected by the correlating culture. Congratulations to all this year's LGBTQ Grammy Award winners who take the stage representing marginalized queer people who every day fight to just be themselves. For This Way Out, I'm Steve Sims.
Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from David Hunt and Tanya Kane Perry, produced by Brian DeShazer, from Soda Nabuli, produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns, and from Steve Sims. Jethro Tull, Randy Rainbow, Neil Young, The Grateful Dead, Doji Cat featuring SZA, Brothers Osborne, Tyler the Creator, St. Vincent, and Brandy Carlisle performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This We Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors John Prey and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WGOT Gainesville, Florida, 2CHR Cessnock, New South Wales, KDUR Durango, Colorado, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.